Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. Today we're joined by Jules and Allison Hawkins, co-founders of Hawkins & Company Accounting. Jules Hawkins is a Cambridge-educated CPA CA in both Canada and the UK. He has 15 years of big firm experience in the UK and Toronto and another five years in their local home community of Windsor, Ontario. And Alison Hawkins is a CPA CA, describes herself as 50% super accountant and 50% design maven. Her experience includes stints at PwC, Prudential Life, Ernst & Young, and Direct Energy, where she has built business models to help clients obtain financing and has reviewed business processes across a wide range of companies. In this episode, we're going to talk about Public Accounting 2.0 and what it takes to put your practice in the cloud to deepen your client experience. Let's get started. I'm joined today with Jules and Allison Hawkins, who are the uh, founders of Hawkins & Company, which is a self-described public accounting 2.0 firm. And so we're going to explore what that 2.0 firm looks like. And maybe I'll just start with that. How would you describe your firm? So our firm is a hybrid bricks and mortar and cloud-based firm. Uh, And we embrace cloud technology to enable a different relationship with our clients, a much deeper relationship where we're helping with everything from their compliance needs to the year-end tax returns to KPIs um, to setting up dashboards to budgeting and to actually being their outsourced finance function. So you're a full-service public accounting firm plus a full-service bookkeeping firm plus a full-service kind of CFO for hire. You've got it kind of all under one roof? We do and so you have to be careful that you have people that can manage that, right? You have the staff in place to manage that and I would say we have deeper, fewer relationships. Interesting. So uh, again, you folks are based out of Windsor, Ontario. Uh, Do you operate nationally? We do. And we even have clients that are physically residing uh, across the border in the United States that maybe have Canadian operations or even overseas that have Canadian operations. And you even gone as far as to have your, your staff actually work virtually as well. So you've really embraced the, the cloud uh, virtual workplace. We are all in. So in this podcast series today, we're going to explore what that transformation looks like from being the old bricks and mortar traditional public accounting firm into one that is driven by technology and uh, a, a virtual office. So let's just start at the beginning. How long ago did this transformation take place? So it started, we launched the firm five years ago, but before that, you have to go back a little bit. I had always been in public accounting in what you might call traditional firms. Alison, although we're both CPAs, Alison had taken a break from the workplace when our kids were young. But as she started to transition back in, she started working more with friends who were starting businesses, mainly small businesses, although some were fast growing. And they really wanted help with all their bookkeeping, all their controls, all their processes. These people, the business owners, they really wanted nothing to do with the actual numbers of it, apart from know what they were looking at so they can make business business decisions. So Alison became expert in helping set up systems and processes, helping them work on these. And because you're mainly working from home, got into the early days of sharing data. And that was back in the days where that would be things like putting a QuickBooks file into Dropbox. But then as technology emerged and new cloud solutions like QuickBooks Online and Xero emerged, then it became more that you're able to work with them truly collaboratively. At the same end, I've been doing the year-end in a more traditional accounting firm, and we realized how silly it was that Alison would be working with them throughout the year on their nuts and bolts of running the business, and then it would be handed off to me to a completely separate firm to wrap up the year-end. 
we realized that if we were able to integrate those two pieces, it would be so much more of a seamless transition for the clients. And the technology has now got to the point that you can do that for the clients no matter where they are. Yeah, and so, and just to be clear, in, in the public accounting firm, how do you deal with independence and assurance uh, issues? We find that we don't actually do much assurance. Part of that is the selection of the clients that we've come to. Um, we acknowledge that we are not necessarily independent of our clients as is defined by the Code of Conduct. And in fact, on our notice to reader files, on our notice to reader year ends, we do actually have a statement saying we provide accounting and financial controller services to X corporation and therefore we might not be independent. Okay. It so has never really been an issue. Yeah, so we're not talking about audits in this context. Yeah, it's no, not a big great. part of your, your client base. No, but we find that 90% of your owner managed businesses really don't need assurance. They need help on their day-to-day, and they frankly just want their year-end process to be as painless as is possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what's happened around that as well, you know, the clients that we work with that are requiring review engagements for the bank, as we've started to work with them and have this deeper relationship and the bank asks for statements, they're able to provide statements even just a few days after month end. And so then the bank starts to think, okay, wait a minute, this is very different than what we're used to getting. And in some cases, they've actually waived the requirement for review engagement because the client's been working with us and it's a very different uh, different relationship. Interesting. And so with that kind of out of the way, let's talk a little bit about how you actually transformed from being a bricks and mortar business to being a cloud-based accounting firm. I think, you know, when we started, I had been in industry when I left public practice, gives you a very different perspective. You're the other side of the fence, if you will. And so when we started, we knew that we wanted to have a different relationship with our clients. I didn't particularly want to go back into public accounting the way that I been in it traditionally and so that's as Jules said we wanted to merge those two skill sets but then fortunately we just happened to be at the perfect time when the cloud was enabling us to do that more easily and giving us the tools um, to be able to have different conversations with clients and see the data in real time and build ERP type solutions for them with out-of-the-box solutions interesting you bring up building ERP solutions and this is it's very interesting especially for small and even medium-sized businesses you know ERP it's something typically it's reserved sc- for, scary. for for large organizations and and you're primarily working with small and, and medium-sized organizations so um, what is the the backbone and again we're not going to try to promote anybody but what is the backbone of your business what, what are the cloud applications that uh, uh, drive the service offering for your clients sure so for us it's zero other similar firms might be QuickBooks Online, Sage, you need a core general ledger that you're going to use. To begin with, we ran with several, but we got to the point where really we wanted to be very deep into one and and strong in that so that we knew the ins and outs of it. And then you need to bolt on things that help you manage the workflow with the client. If you're processing their transactions, you need to get that information. So then you layer on things like Receipt Bank or HubDoc or Expensify to actually gather that paperwork. And then on top of that, industry-specific apps that are like point-of-sale systems, Shopify, Vend, e-commerce solutions, customer relationship management solutions where you're tracking sales, leads, and data and then even inventory management. It's kind of the sky's the limit. There are now so many industry specific that it's very client specific. Yes, we have patterns across similar types of clients, but we will often have clients come to us and say, I'm trying to solve this problem. Can you help me? And we'll take the time to actually go out and research a solution that's going to fit their needs. What's been really transformational is that you've seen a shift which has been enabled by 
the technology that's come out in the last five years. And it used to be that, as you say, an ERP system was something that was huge and big and scary. And frankly, you probably weren't putting one in for less than $20,000 at the very low end of it as well. What you now have is essentially technology, each of which is a bite-sized module, as it were, which integrates nicely. The accounting system, Zero or QBO or whichever you prefer, is at the center of it all. But in there, you can then interface all the other things that do the other th pieces and have been developed by experts in that particular area. So as Alison said, you've got Receipt Bank, Expensify, HubDoc, all of which are great for capturing details of bought-in expenses. You've got things like WagePoint, Payroll Evolution, which again are apps that are particularly for payroll and everything related to that. You have things like Deputy, which is timesheeting and recording, so that's great if you are billing by the hour. That could be integrated straight into your general ledger. The key point is that there's an ecosystem or a marketplace, however you wish to describe it, of all of these separate pieces of software, each of which are modular, but which interface and integrate in so that you can literally custom build your own system rather than being stuck inside the walled garden of a huge service provider. Yeah, so you have the benefit of choosing the best of breed application that meets the client's needs, but then using this integration, could you explain how the integration actually happens with Zero? Like that's probably, you know, I think you've got a lot of people's attention here because everybody dreams of this integrated solution, but how do they actually talk to each other? Sure, the lingo around it is API. Uh, and that essentially means that the software company has opened up the back door of their solution and allowed other people to build connectors to it. And they've even put a framework around that. So for example, if I think of payroll information coming into zero from something like WagePoint, you would go into WagePoint and you would set up where do transactions map to in the general ledger. How often do they come in? In some cases, it's a push from one software to the other. In other cases, it's a pull. In some cases, it's both directions. You make a change in zero, it updates the CRM, and in some cases, not. So you have to be conscious of how those connections work, but there is a portal, essentially, in each that has an open API to make those connections and set the settings that fit what you're trying to do. And it might sound scary, particularly if you're, say, not necessarily a technology person, but you want to use it. But the key thing is the service providers that have created all these offerings want you to be able to do this. They've deliberately designed it such that it can be plug and play from all these different places with all these different systems. So it's been explicitly designed that way with guidance, with training, with very good support as well. Now we set it up for our clients for the most part. Some of our clients who are more hands-on with the technology will actually set it up themselves as well. It's of the level of sophistication that you can set it up yourself if you're the business owner. But we find that we are we're happy to do so because it's what we do on a more expert basis. Especially when as it relates to the general ledger. So even if our clients set it up, they'll often get stuck on the references to how it's going to impact the general ledger. And we are both CPAs, but you, do, you don't need to actually be a technical person, an IT just, person. I was going to ask you whether either of you have a technical background. No, I mean, I spent... You fig um, figured it out on your own? I did. I spent a few years at EY in the UK in their financial modeling group. So we had half a team of computer science and half a team of CPAs. Uh, and we built financial models or reviewed models that were built. So I picked up some tips and tricks there. But honestly, so much of our staff hasn't had any of that experience. And it's just... They're so plug and play now that it's a question of, again, understanding the data flow and that's where that's where we come in and that's why the CPAs can add so much value to this 
because although the client can pull up the menus and try and make the selections, you really have to understand how the data is flowing to make those selections. Yeah, and, and you are really the one-stop shop and, and really gives you a much broader offering. You can say, I got a payroll solution, I've got a project management solution, I got that, and they'll all talk to Yes. my general ledger. But to other firms who might be thinking about exploring this, and some people might be scared off by thinking this is too technical for me. In our firm, I do the accounting and the tax, and Allison focuses on the technology. So we're fortunate and we've got those two skill sets. But you don't need to have somebody who's an IT technical expert. What you're looking at more is the aptitude, the willingness to play, the willingness to try and break it, and essentially just to meddle with it and see what you can get it to do. Yeah. And then you're, you have the ability to take it that next step for, further, as you say, and have an IT person on staff. You know, we've started to use simple things like Zapier, which will build some of those connections if they're not there. But we also have looked at reaching out to a, an IT firm to actually build a connection in certain cases where there's specific data we want to get. So that's, that's the next step, but you definitely do not need to take it to that. But certainly in 80% of our clients, you would find that a core general ledger package like QBO or Xero, and then linking in, say, three or four other core supporting apps like, say, Receipt Bank Hub Doc, or WagePoint, and or Square, or something of that nature, and that will get you to meeting 99% of your clients' needs a significant majority of the time. We might disagree on the 99%, but... But for the most part, at least. <laughs> Certainly a dramatic improvement on what the vast majority have had already. Absolutely. So talk about how technology has changed the way you interact with your clients. It really has been very revolutionary. We honestly don't feel we look anything like a traditional CPA firm, which is where I spent the first 15 to 20 years of my profession. If you're in a traditional CPA firm, then really you sit outside the organization to the vast extent. And your relationship, to be blunt, in many cases is just transactional, and it's really driven by their compliance needs that they've got to file a tax return. What we found is that the clients have come to us really fall into a couple of categories. Quite often, they're people who are starting out and they want to get it right from the get-go and they need help in doing that. But a bookkeeper is not necessarily doing it for them because they want to have somebody who can give them higher level advice as well. Or we're finding we've got clients who everything to do with their numbers for the past five, ten years has been horrible. It's been painful. It's been manual. There have been mm. lots of errors. Yes. There's no value added to it. It's just a catch-up exercise so they can file their tax return at the last moment. So they come because they want to have this solved. And then you've got clients who have been successful despite not having good financial processor information and they realize that they need, they need really to make an investment in that to be able to take their business for the next level. So we find people fall into one of those three categories. And the way in which we typically work with them is we've worked with them, as Alison has described, to pick what you might describe as their ideal technology stack. What is it they're looking to do and what's the best software out there that can help them achieve that? We then build that technology stack for all the things that are needed to do. That will automate a significant portion of the grunt entry, the grunt work of bookkeeping. We argue about how much it is, depending on the client. We think it could be anywhere between 60 to 90% of the grunt keying of data just disappears because it's now automated. So we automate it, train the clients on how to do it. The client does what's left of it after they've automated it. Or we do if they don't want to. Yeah, The client will always bill their clients. They'll typically match the receipts from their clients. They will obviously approve and pay their suppliers and approve payroll. But everything on the back end is either automated. In some cases, they do some of it, or we do it. So like physical invoices that, that come in or, or yeah. you know receipts that come in, they're inputting it into the system, or do you... Is it scanned up, or how does that how does that transactional yeah. uh, flow? So we use um, Receipt Bank and HubDoc for that. Receipt Bank um, for 
the majority of things that come in, they're either taking a picture or they're providing that dedicated email address to their supplier so that the supplier knows, just like you would have AP at yourbusiness.com, right. they would have a dedicated email address so those supplier uh, invoices would go into that. And then in a lot of cases, our team will actually process those. So the system will start to pick away at them because we've said, hey, this from Staples, this invoice from Staples is always going to office supplies. The system has picked off Staples, it's picked off the amount, it's picked off the tax, and it remembers, hey, last time you said this went to office supplies, so I'm gonna guess that's where it's going again. It'll even pick off if they've paid with a credit card or a debit card, the last four digits, and try and match that to an account that you have in. So there's um, artificial intelligence built into some of these applications that, that they're almost like pre-populating the, the journal entries for you, you just need to approve them. Correct. So then you're in the business of just reviewing and setting up rules to automate it further than actually keying things in. Yeah. And Alison said, we use the word that we're processing the information, but what we're really doing like that is we're managing the process. There is no keying. From a client's perspective, all the bookkeeping in many cases is just sending an invoice to their supplier, their, to their customers, and then for their bought-in expenses, it's literally just taking a photo of the receipt or the invoice. The software will either code it and give you something to say, I've done this, do you approve it? And you can say yes. Or for certain low-risk items where you don't really have any risk of it being wrong, you can tell it just to code it automatically and push it in. Push it in. So the grunt work of legacy bookkeeping, which was literally recording and keying transactions, that is disappearing very, very quickly. What people are now going, what bookkeeping is going to mean in the future is not going to be inputting data. It's going to be making sure that the system's set up, that your client knows how to use it, and then you're managing the flow of data through a predominantly automated system, and then you're dealing with exceptions and essentially doing checks to make sure on a periodic basis, like every month, making sure that it didn't glitch or it didn't drop anything. And how does the, the like the internal controls aspect of this work? Is it does, is there uh, approvals that the client has to do to approve the invoices that you've input? Is that automated so as well? We actually don't do any payments for our client. So they would look at their AP subledger and review those. And then they would authorize the payment. We have apps that we use that can layer over authorization. So let's say we're talking about a charity that needs two people to sign off. That's definitely functionality that can be built in and that's done on a case by case basis. So they, at their end, they would publish uh, the, the disbursements list, print off checks or ETFs or whatever, however they pay their suppliers. Those files, too, get uploaded into the, the cloud? So or? they are actually done right out of the system. So let's take Xero, for example. I mean, you can lay over something like CheckKeeper, where CheckKeeper generates the checks and can actually mail them out for you directly. Or if you lay over something like Pluto, Pluto brings in your AP subledger and your AR subledger, but let's take your AP subledger, and you can then go in and say, okay, I want to pay this vendor. I'm going to approve these three bills from this vendor. It will then make the payment electronically like an EFT, and it will send an actual remittance to the vendor to say, hey, this money's on the way, and these are the three things I've paid. And that's where you can layer over those different levels of authorization. And, and so again, just using different best of breed applications, and they all connect, and yes. and you see it on on the back end. Let's talk about some of the you know the value add advisory services that you've you've built. This is the core of the business, but you know how do you actually uh, engage in 
the CFO type advice and the controller type advice that you're providing to your clients. Is that is that too virtual? No, actually, I mean, the reality is at that point, we're so deep in their numbers that they know that we understand exactly what's coming through. Our team's been touching it on a regular basis. And so for all of our clients that we call our, our managed service clients, they're getting either a monthly or at a minimum a quarterly report pack from us with a conversation, some case a much longer conversation depending on what package of services they've chosen to go with. And so that will have commentary. At the very, very least, they get an estimate of what their corporate tax is year to date, an estimate of where they sit for their HST, any major things that are missing paperwork. So let's say that they made a major purchase and we don't have the documentation for it. We don't want to capture that HST unless it's in there because, or at least make them aware, hey, this is a risk. We'll record it if you want, but if you get picked for audit, you need to dig up this paperwork. So you can get into a discussion about what you mean by advisory. And the services that we've described, they do at a minimum what they do is essentially remove all the pain points in the traditional bookkeeping and year-end process. And they also give the client much greater assurance that everything is being done and it's being done right. Part of that is through the built-in automation and integration, but part of that is the role that we play behind it. So at a minimum, they're getting good, well-put-together, painless bookkeeping and compliance but then it starts to get into the conversations, as Alison said, about what we talk to them every month or every quarter about. Some of our clients have explicitly said they're wanting to go further, and that's where we're spending a lot of time developing the best platforms for this, which is once you have your year, your monthly or quarterly financials nailed down through the process that we talked about, then you take it into another post-financial system and you get into reporting platforms such as Fathom or Spotlight, where you can identify your key performance indicators, which is giving your client the key metrics that they actually need to run, use to run their business. And many of those are also going to be non-financial in nature. Yeah, so you're sucking in operational data as well. So we've been working on one where essentially, for, from the client's perspective, they want to know how their sales team are doing as well. So the platform that we're, the dashboard that we're building for that client brings in financial information out of their zero accounting system in this case and some of the subledgers, but it's also bringing information from their sales system so they can see progress on leads, number of leads are closed, progress by salesperson, and so forth. So the next stage, once you've nailed down the basic compliance, which frankly exhausted many people's emotional time and energy in the past, once you got past that, you can now open the door to actually really starting to add value. Yeah, getting more real-time information right at your fingertips, because it sounds like if the entire process is automated, you know, and, and you're capturing all this stuff through automation, you know, you can get a real-time assessment as to what's going on in the business. It's not, you know, month then becomes less relevant, it's not after the fact. And you even become a coach, right? You, you start to have those conversations where, hey, I want help with budgeting, and we become the people that hold them accountable for that. Well, and that's an interesting, like, again, are your clients engaging you to now look forward in the business? Are you involved in strategic planning and budgeting and, and those sorts of conversations? And how have you integrated the technology to facilitate those conversations? Absolutely. I mean, all of the um, cloud solutions have budgeting modules built in. It's a question of how you're going to use that and the conversations you're going to have. So then that becomes a conversation internally about how are we going to structure that service to our clients to give them the, the best value, right? And what, what does that look like? Is it three meetings? Is it five meetings? What are the things that are discussed at each of those meetings? How do we put that budget in place? And then how do we hold them accountable as we go through the year? So, uh, and again, we'll kind of, kind of wrap up our thoughts here and discussions here 
where we started. We said we were creating or you've created public accounting firm version 2.0. And we compare and contrast that to public accounting firm 1.0, which many of our practitioners are at. What have been the biggest uh, outcomes, the biggest benefits through this transition from a, from a business perspective? I'm going to talk about a few of them. So and the first one is the relationship with the clients, which we've really touched on, but it's turned us around 180 degrees. If you think about a traditional compliance year-end driven public accounting firm, which you know represents a lot of the business, probably a majority of the business of many firms, we spend incredibly small amount of time on that. To give you a perspective on it, our standard year-end files are issued within one month of the actual year-end occurring. A client's been getting year numbers every month. Within a month of that month-end date, they're getting that every month throughout the year. They get don't get period 12 numbers, they get their year-end within that period with the tax return filed. So you're not spending any time dwelling on the past because it's basically one month, close that month, talk about anything that needs to be discussed on that month, and then it's done. You're able to then turn around and look towards the future, and as Alison said, things like budgeting, their strategic goals, what's the technology they need, what's the information they need. So it's been really transformative on how we interact with our clients. I can honestly say that the clients with whom we work this way for the past three or four years, I know their business is so much better than I did for any clients that I ever did previously in 18 to 20 years in public accounting 1.0, so to speak. Very good. Another thing that the clients really love that's been great for us as well is it's transformed our financial model with it. So instead of billing more or less a fixed fee for the year end or billing on an hourly basis, what we've done is for every client, we've defined the package of services that they want. So that will include the build out of the technology, it will include either them or us doing certain stages and what's needed to be done on the running the business. We will deal with the month end or quarter end close, which includes hygiene, things like HST returns. We do the year end, we may or may not throw in personal tax returns. There will always be corporate tax planning. Depending on the package that the client's fixed, it's an agreed fixed price on a subscription model, and the client pays that by automatic bank transfer every single month. The clients, frankly, love it because they don't get a huge accounting bill at the same time they've got to pay their taxes, and they have certainty. They know what it is they're going to pay. comes out on the same time every month, and it's agreed up front. We never send them another bill unless they do something that's significantly outside the scope of that. We love it as well because we know exactly how much money we're going to get in and it comes in every month, typically the day before payroll goes out. Very good. Well, listen, folks, uh, Allison, Jules, thank you so much for joining us today. Truly inspirational for all those uh, public practice firms out there that are looking for new ideas in terms of uh, growing their own public practice and transforming the relationships that they have with their clients. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.